Welcome into another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined as always by Matt Williamson. Matt, this is episode number 72 for us. We're, we're getting up there now. Wow, that's quite a few. And what, what, it's been over a year and a half, give or take? Does that sound right? Yeah, about a year and a half for us. So we're rolling along now. We are rolling along. Matt, today, no guests, but we're going to answer some listener questions. So it's, it's going to be kind of like we actually have about 20 different guests. I like it. Yeah. All of our friends that have been listening all along and spreading the word for us, I assume, uh, will answer your questions today. I love these shows. They're a blast. We have some great guests, though, but I love these shows. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of good topics today. And as always, we'll get to as many of these questions as we can. Uh, we're going to start with one from Ben. Ben wants to know, is the wait-a-year strategy for the elite tight end prospects becoming too popular to be useful? So, Matt, that's something we've talked about on here. We've mentioned, and and I think we both agreed that you get to that late portion of the first round, and you and I both have O.J. Howard, David Njoku, Evan Ingram ranked in that range, but we're a little hesitant to draft them in that range with the idea that we might be able to acquire them a little cheaper this time next year. So what are you thinking? Is, the, is that idea, is it growing? Is that becoming the widespread assumption that don't draft them now, you can just trade for them later? And, and when that happens, uh, it, it's going to obviously become more difficult to do. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, and you would know that answer better than me, you know, if that trend has been caught up to, you know what I mean? Like if we're not pulling the wool off over anyone's eyes anymore and – I'm sure our show with our vast popularity also isn't helping our cause either. Everyone listening says, oh, I'm going to do the same thing. But that being said, you know, I mean, those three this year, and to a much lesser degree, um, Everett, but I I still, I'm not hesitating to take those guys, especially in this draft class, and they're all going pretty early. And I think a lot of that's kind of by default, you know, that there isn't a receiver in that range people are loving or, um, you know, a running back that just jumps off the board in that late first round area. But I think you better be patient if you draft Najuku or, you know, one of these guys too. Like you're not hitting, you're not clicking that box in week one saying I'm going to start him. Right, exactly. And I think it's it's a difficult conversation because we're talking about different things. Right now we're talking about their current value as rookies and and in relation to what rookie draft pick are we talking about? A year down the road, the conversation turns to their trade value. And, and those are different things. I looked back at some of the, the recent tight ends that have been drafted highly in, in rookie drafts. And the majority of these guys are losing value from, from one year to the next. Um, Hunter Henry is the name that pops to most people's minds, of course, uh, after a, a really strong season last year. I don't think he finished as well as people feel like he did. You know, he's getting a lot of hype. He's being drafted as a top five or six, seven dynasty tight end. He was the tight end 19 last year. Uh, he, he's still going to have Gates to contend with this season, uh, but people are, are already treating him like a tight end one in dynasty. And, and the same is true of Howard and Joku Ingram. All those guys are going in the top 12 already. The conversation for me or the question for me is this time next year, can you trade a late first round pick or maybe even less to acquire those players? And I think you probably can. Do you agree that Henry's on par with those three? I mean, maybe he's fourth on your list, but I think they're all pretty equal. Yeah. Value wise, I think he's in the conversation, but I also haven't seen him I haven't seen him traded for first round picks. I I use the That's what I was going to ask next. Right. Is what's it cost to buy him now? I, well, I use the Trade Finder, one of the tools over at DLF. You can look up actual trades that are going on in MFL dynasty leagues, and there were three recent ones that I thought were pretty interesting. So you can tell me what you think about how he's being valued here. The first one was Hunter Henry and Chris Godwin in exchange for Doug Martin and Delaney Walker. Oh, I would much rather have the young Yeah, guy. that's a clear win for the Henry side. I'd... But it depends on the status of your team, too. I mean, if that was midseason and, or if it's week nine and I'm contending and Martin looks good, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, maybe. The, these trades are all from the past the past week. So these are trades okay. that are... But clearly one of those teams is, thinks he's better than the other team thinks they are. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, the other one was Henry and Jameis Winston for Jameis and Crowder. So that's, I think I still would rather have 
Henry and Winston pretty convincingly. The same for me. I, I like Crowder, but I'm still mm-hmm. on that other side. And then the last one, uh, Henry and Cole Beasley for your boy, Martavis Bryant. I went Bryant, yeah, but I, I do as well. So, yeah. um, you know, Crowder, Bryant, those guys, those are guys who are being valued as I, I would say as mid to late first round rookie picks right now. Yes. I've been buying Bryant at that price. Right. So, you're adding something on to the Henry side to get that. So maybe, maybe we can say Henry's worth a late first on his own. I didn't see any, any trades involving draft picks as far as Henry for a specific pick. None of those mm-hmm. have, have taken place recently, according to our data over at DLF. But the point remains the same. You can spend a pick on these guys now and wait and see, and maybe they become Max Williams who saw his ADP drop from 113 to 174 after his rookie year, or maybe they become Henry. They break out, they gain value. Henry was drafted uh, number 140 overall in our ADP one year ago. Right now he's being drafted at 75. So he's, he's seen a huge jump in his value. But again, comparing that to rookie picks, I think he's, he's right now in the same range as these three rookies. Agreed. Um, Williams is a good example. I mean, I guess my question to like, he's not, there's a couple of my leagues. He's not even on a roster at this point. You know, people are done with this guy, right. even with the pit of news. I'm curious, where did he go in his rookie drafts? And then the other one I want to bring up because he was a really high pick and it was before I was playing dynasty is Ebron. Right. So Ebron, um, I, I, so I went back just three years to 2014 Ebron's ADP in June of 2014 was 73 overall. So he was the only, he was the only other player kind of challenging OJ Howard. He was the only player being drafted ahead of where Howard is now. And he dropped after his rookie year, he dropped from 73 to 94. You know, that that 2014 class is actually kind of... But that class was so good. Right. All those receivers that year. It was. But just like this year, there were kind of those three tight ends who were viewed as the top tier. It was Ebron, it was Safarian Jenkins, and Jay Samaro. All three of those guys were, during their rookie year, were going in the top 125 of our startup ADP. Ebron drops 20 spots. ASJ goes from 104 as a rookie to 75 as a uh, a second-year player a year later. He was actually being drafted as a top-five tight end after his rookie season. And then Jay Samaro lost about 30 spots, 124 to 155. So I, th- I think more often than not, these players are maintaining or slightly losing their value. I, I don't know. Back to Ben's question here, is the strategy becoming too popular? I don't know that it is. You know, this time next year, if one of these guys struggles, just like we saw with with Max Williams and even Tyler Higby, you know, his his ADP a year ago was 188. Now it's 225, basically falling off the map with the addition of Everett. So Howard and Joku, Ingram and Everett, one of those guys, probably more than one, is going to have a, a pretty quiet rookie season. And this time next year, we're probably not going to be buying them. We're just going to be worried about the class of 2018 and, and rookie fever will take over again. Yeah, yeah we've, we've dwelled on this for a long time. But I do think it's noteworthy that a year ago, even the biggest of Hunter Henry fans had to recognize that he was blocked. You know, like all three of these guys, with all respect to Cameron Brait, they don't have a Hall of Famer in front of them like Henry did. So all of us that drafted Henry knew you know, most likely we weren't going to start him a lot during his rookie season, and he did better than that, and this would be his year. Right. Well, I mean, you don't you don't draft rookie tight ends to start in year one. You know, I don't true, think true. I don't think anybody would would argue that. And, and that's one reason I'm hesitant to spend a first round pick on them in, in the first place. Yeah. Great point. All right, let's move on. Uh, our next question comes from Evan, and he says uh, he wants to know about understanding when your team is contending or pretending. Uh, so, Matt, what what do you do to evaluate, uh, I guess, the status of your teams? Is there some type of procedure or practice you go through each offseason to really take a good look at where your team stands in, in comparison to the competition? Or uh, how do you handle that? I don't have a system. Um I think it's usually pretty apparent. Well, the extremes are apparent that, boy, this team's really good. I'm a contender. 
you know, and, and I had one of those cases just recently and during the draft, I picked up Adrian Peterson, you know, like uh, I'm, I'm going for it this year. I, I gave up a you know, future picks or whatever, and I'm going to add him to the roster. This team's really good. I, I, and the obvious one, I mean, the, the extremes are obvious. Like, this, you know, I got three startup first round picks and well, you know, come to think of it, I think a good way to actually look at that would be pull up Mike Clay or Matthew Barry or whomever you respect in the redraft world, pull up their rankings, pull up your roster and say, do I got guys at the top of the list? <laughs> you know, I mean, if my best running back is running back 19 on their guys' boards, well, I might not be real competitive this year. Yeah, and that's something I would say that's similar to something um, I've done. Years ago, I would go through – Early in the offseason, I would go through every team and I would use our dynasty ADP there at DLF to really just judge my team, get an idea of where where I was. And then finally it hits me, like you're saying now, that doesn't really tell me anything. That might tell me. No, it doesn't. Right. You know, you might have a valuable team. Exactly. But in the short term, as far as what what does this team need for the next season? looking at dynasty ADP wasn't really helping me very much. So yeah, I began to look at MFL 10 ADP or some of the rankings like you talk about from, uh, from Mike or Matthew Barry, someone like that, whoever, whoever you respect as far as that seasonal redraft coverage. And that's a good way, I think, to, to get an idea of uh, is your team ready to compete this season? Yeah. And this isn't what they asked, but this is something I've wanted to mention on the show for a long time of how I monitor my teams. I build a very, very simple Excel spreadsheet for every one of my teams. Like, and, and I label it hyperactive four. and there's columns for quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end defense, whatever. And every so often, instead of looking at my team from the way the website shows it to me, I make it like a depth chart where my quarterback list goes, Russell Wilson, Joe Flacco, Carson Wentz or, or, you know, or Paxton Lynch, you know, whatever that is. And, and I do it as a depth chart for how would I start them today? And there's two ways of doing it. You can either look at it like how valuable are they this minute or how important are they to my dynasty team? You know, like a guy like um, you, know, you just drafted at 1-1. Corey Davis might be your most valuable wide receiver, but you might start Larry Fitzgerald over him. You know what I mean? So you could do it two ways of how do I, I could, do I live for today depth chart or how valuable is this guy to my team overall as an asset? And I think this is a much better way of looking at your team um, in the present and big picture, as opposed to the alphabetical lumping that you get from MFL. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And having some type of spreadsheet to track those rosters and uh, as well as tracking trades and maybe even waiver claims that have been made, I think is pretty important as the dynasty owner. Yeah. And the last thing I do is underneath all those positions, I put free agents. So it's like my watch list, five guys in each league at each position that are available or, you know, when the, the waiver wire comes through and like, boy, the Johnny cut this tight end. I kind of like him, but I don't have room right now. I'm going to keep that note on my mind. That worked out real well for me too. And then the other thing I wanted to mention along those lines, I also had a spreadsheet of all seven of my leagues. Like, okay, I have Russell Wilson in this one, this one, this one. I don't have him in the other ones. You know, so like I have three out of seven shares of this player. And then I realized that's too much work and I don't care about it. And I threw it away. <laughs> <laughs> Next question comes from Bradley. He wants to know, what is the biggest attribute needed in a rebuild? And he mentions maybe – uh, questioning maybe it's patience uh, Matt I know you've talked about rebuilding a couple teams that you've taken over as uh, orphan teams have you been patient and is that what it takes to rebuild a team maybe but I've also found that if you have some good fortune and you know what you're doing rebuilds don't take quite as long as you think I mean it's not like the Browns or the Jets where boy, if things go well four years down the road, they might be contending, or the 49ers. I mean, uh, I took over Hyperactive 2, or I took over Hyperactive 4 two or three years ago, and it's a really good team now. You know, I think I'm a big-time contender. I mean, there's two or three that uh, I think over the course of two years or so, 
you can get in the heart of things if you get a bounce and a, a draft pick, you know, hits that you didn't expect. I think more than that might just be being very active. You know, like just don't sit on your team and really be proactive and try to make a lot of deals and certainly get that extra third rounder in 2018. Those things will be useful. Activity is exactly what I was going to say was the the number one attribute, as Bradley says. And I think patience, he hit on that. I think that that's important too. In most of these situations, depending on how bad the team is, you're not going to turn it around in one year. You're not going to make the playoffs that first year, contend for a title. So you do have to be patient. But even more than that, that activity, getting guys off the waiver wire, uh, yeah, send, sending trades, just being an active an active owner in that league is going to help that team turn around. No doubt, no doubt. Eric wants to know, who are your buy low running back targets? Some running backs you're looking at whose price may, might be down right now. Um. Well, first of all, I want to mention this too. I remember we had Bloom on not long ago. Um, all my dynasty ranks are now up at Football Guys, and I'm in the process and should finish it today of doing all my redraft and redraft PPR. So certainly go check that out, and it'll tell you exactly my thoughts. Uh, you know of where these guys are at. I'm pulling up my my number now or my my list now by lows. Do you think Kenneth Dixon is a buy low? I mean, I still have him in my 18th running back overall. Uh, I think he's in for a big year, and people are down on him. Duke Johnson? I mean, I know everyone's – the Crow L train has left the building, but I still think Duke is in for a, a quality career year. You know, in the fourth quarter, is it going to be his show when they're losing? Um, those are two that come to mind. Duke Johnson was on my list as well. I was looking at some numbers the other day. I think in NFL history, there have been nine running backs who have started their career with 50 catches in each of their first two seasons. And it was, hmm. there were some big time names, LaDainian Tomlinson, Herschel Walker, uh, Reggie Bush was on there and, and Duke Johnson was on there. He was one of the, the nine. So yeah, I think, I think you're right. Crowell hype is, is, really growing by the day almost. I'm I'm not yeah. exactly sure why. I mean, I get I get that his value would climb a little bit since they did not draft anyone uh and th- there has been some positive news. I I'm not I'm not down on Crowell necessarily, but uh, I think Duke Johnson is, is being left for dead almost after he's had a productive first couple of years in that uh pass catching role there in Cleveland. Some other guys I had, I mean, really for me, because I build my team around wide receivers in general and man, I know you do this as well. I'm I'm living and dying by those buy low running backs because I'm not going to spend early startup draft picks on running backs. Typically I'm not going to go out and pay what it would cost for a, a David Johnson or Ezekiel Elliott. If I get those guys in a rookie draft, I'm happy and I'm set, but I'm not targeting those guys in trades. So the buy low running backs that I can get, that I can start for a month or two, I'm I'm happy with. Um, and, and most of mine are those PPR type backs. Theo Riddick uh, is outside. What well, I looked at players who were outside of the top 100 in our new June ADP. So all of these guys can be had uh, for. I guess less than a top 100 startup pick. And and I would assume would have trade value that correlates with that. So theoretic Bilal Powell has been talked about a lot this off season, but he's still pretty cheap. I agree with you on Duke and Adrian Peterson as well. Um, I'm taking both the Bengals veterans for next to, for next to nothing, Geo and Hill. I like the Geo call. Danny Woodhead is a guy we, t- I think we talked about him every episode last summer and right. he went out and got hurt in the second week of the season. But of course now he's looks like he might be the starter in Baltimore. Who else? TJ Yeldon. We've talked about on here as well. Deandre Washington, really any of those guys that I can uh, scrounge around and get for a future second or a couple thirds or a wide receiver that I've given up on. I'm doing that and, and helping that uh, starting lineup that way. DeAndre Washington was the other one I wanted to bring up because I think I have him probably higher than most on my dynasty ranks. 
you know, I think a lot of people are just assuming that Marshawn Lynch is going to walk in there and be the same guy, the Hall of Fame caliber player. And even if he is, though, do they want to ride him to that degree? I think you'd want to save his legs. And their defense is so bad that, I mean, they're, I, I don't think they're ever going to be not in passing mode. I mean, they, they may you know, seal some leads with Lynch, but I was really high on Washington coming out of school just a year ago. And it seems like a lot of the, the shines off his rose, so to speak. I mean, and I, I'm not quite sure why. I think things are maybe better for him now than ever. Yeah, I'm I'm of the same mindset with Washington. And the Lynch story is great. It's, you know, he's a fun player to cheer for. And I'm, I'm glad he's back in the league, but I'm not – I'm not ready to trust him as a a top 10 running back in fantasy as some people seem to be. Uh, I mean, I question if he can stay on the field his last year in Seattle, he had injury issues. Anytime you have a year away from football, there's, there's some obvious concern and and reason to doubt that. So uh, I think, Grabbing Washington and and maybe even pairing him with Jalen Richard, you might end up with a starter there in Oakland. Uh, maybe not the long term starter, but at least uh, if if Lynch were to get hurt, you know, pairing those two, yeah. pairing those two would be a, a smart move. See, I don't think it'd be extreme fiction to write a story where DeAndre Washington has the most yards from scrimmage from that backfield. Yeah. Yep. I think that's fair. Jason wants to know if we consider Austin Hooper a good breakout candidate. What do you think, Matt? I do. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, I'm very, very high on him. All the reports coming out are very, very good. I can take or leave pro football focus in some ways, but I just read the other day that he was amongst their top 10 or so in run and pass blocking. I I mean, I considered him a good blocker, but rarely do you see that from a rookie. Um, In a very good offense, I don't see any other – I mean, he, to me, he might be a better player than Sanu. You know, I mean, he may be the second leading receiver on that team. Well, the running backs catch a lot of passes too. But yes, he's my 14th ranked dynasty tight end um, in the Ebron range. Yeah, so Jason wanted to know if we consider him a, a good breakout candidate. I know our buddy Evan Silva just wrote an article for Roto World and listing some of his breakout candidates and – Hooper was among those that that he picked as a possible breakout. Hooper is the tight end 16 in our ADP and an ADP of 136 overall. He's going between Delaney Walker and Jack Doyle for reference there. And I think it was also Evan that brought up the comparison of Hooper versus Hunter Henry. And I've already mentioned Henry's Henry's ADP is 75, Hooper's ADP is 135. It's fair to say they're not much different, right? Players. Right? Should the should the value gap be that different between these two players, considering the offense, considering the uh, the competition they each face with their respective teams? We know what it's like with Henry. Uh, not only Antonio Gates at the tight end spot, but all those wide receivers that they have that they had from last year. Keenan Allen back healthy. They draft Mike Williams. Uh, we'll see if if he's able to get on the field. He's dealing with that injury, but nonetheless, it's going to be crowded there uh, for the Chargers. Not as much in Atlanta, and Jacob Tammy is gone. Uh, Hooper ended the season well. His best game of the season, according to most, was the Super Bowl. He called a touchdown there. Of course, I don't know. Maybe it, we all know we have Hunter Henry too high uh, as our sixth tight end. Maybe maybe Hooper's too low at 16. Yeah, I think that's a really good thought process is put these two in a room by themselves. They're pretty darn similar. <laughs> you know, They're both in pretty good offenses with really good quarterbacks. I would say Henry's a little more talented, but not by leaps and bounds. They, you know, they're both pretty crowded offenses, but Hooper certainly established himself as a starter. And for the price, I would rather have Hooper, and I'm a Henry believer. You know sure. what else I'm a believer in, Ryan? I bet you know. It's our friends at Loot Crate. Be the envy of your friends and get your 100% exclusive crates at lootcrate.com slash dynastyblueprint. Enter our code dynastyblueprint, and you're going to save a couple bucks a month off an already cheap subscription. And June's Loot Crate theme is Alter Ego. I'll tell you about that here in a little bit. But if you're on an epic quest for gear, housewares, the collectibles, 
Loot Crate has it. It's the best surprise you know is coming every month. Loot Crate offers an epic range of pop culture items for less than 20 bucks a month. If you're more of a fanatical fashionata, then try Loot Wear. They also have Loot Pets. Monthly wearables and accessories with cult classics for your favorite franchises is the Loot Wear situation here. And if you want to get fancy, try a bigger box with even bigger loot from Loot Crate DX. So one lucky subscriber will also win a mega crate of serious epic proportions. So go to lootcrate.com slash Dynasty Blueprint, enter our code Dynasty Blueprint, and save a couple bucks off every subscription today. Matt, our next question comes from Matt. Maybe this is you. I'm not sure. Would you Might would be. you invest in any of the Jets pass catchers not named Pal? So he's he's a believer in Bilal Pal at running back, but he wants to know about the other pass catchers. So of course the Jets dumped Brandon Marshall early in the offseason. They uh, just last week got rid of Eric Decker, uh, who is now off for his uh, hunt for a new team. And what's left there for the Jets is pretty ugly. Uh, Nobody expects the Jets to win in 2017, but that doesn't mean they can't put up some fantasy points. So we've got Quincy Inunua, Robbie Anderson, Ardarius Stewart, the rookie, uh, Chad Hansen, another rookie, Sharon Peak. These are all guys, first or second year players, pretty much. and then also we're hearing good things at tight end with ASJ. There's been some positive reports about him. Some even called him the best player on the field. I don't know if I'm ready to believe that. What do you think about the Jets pass catchers? Yeah, and I was going to mention ASJ first. You know, because of the reports, we've all been burned by this guy, but there's no denying his opportunity in this offense or his talent. So, those are two good things to have in your corner as a your last guy on your dynasty roster. Stash them. You know, they're always going to be coming from behind. I will say this is maybe the worst offensive depth chart I've ever seen at this stage of the year, though. I mean, it's horrible. And not even the skill guys, their offensive line is going to be one of the worst in the league, too. And not to mention their quarterback situation. Um, the other one that I, I don't have a problem owning, though, is our Darius Stewart for where he's going in rookie drafts. Just because I'm intrigued with the player, maybe it's the new shiny thing. I don't know. But those are the two that wouldn't break my heart to own. Yeah, ASJ is basically free at this point. He he might even be sitting on waiver wires of shallower dynasty leagues. What are your thoughts about Anunwa? He's, he's the presumed number one target there. Uh, we don't even know who's going to be throwing him the ball. It probably won't be good no matter who it is. But do you see... I mean, is there like wide receiver three upside there for him? Can Could he be a fantasy starter? Yeah, maybe. I think we all realize he's miscast as their wide receiver one. You know, I mean, he's going to get the best corner a lot of times. You know, this offense is so easy to defend. You might as well take their best receiver away more. I mean, he's going to have a tough – he's going to have tough sledding. And to me, he's an NFL three, not an NFL one. Next question comes from Greg. How many productive years do you think each of the top tight ends have left, specifically mentioning Gronk and Greg Olson? Um, so Gr- That's a tough yeah, question. Yeah, Gronk is 28 years old, but if we all know the injury history there. Basically comes up with some kind of injury, unfortunately, almost every season. Greg Olson, 32 years old, and he's been – a tight end one as long as I can remember, probably as long as you've been playing dynasty, Matt. Uh, Olsen yep. really tailed off at the end of last year. The, the, the entire Panthers offense did, but he, if you look at those like second half splits, he was not a tight end one at that point. He finished the season in, in the tight end one range. Thanks to a, a strong start to the season. But I think from week nine on, he was like tight end 16, something like that. I I don't know if that's the beginning of the end. It's not necessarily fair to presume that. But at 32 years old, how much time does he have left as a top five dynasty tight end? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think it's very noteworthy that the peak age for NFL tight ends, and this goes back to our first question, is 29 years old. That's when they're their most effective and efficient, which is very, very old. I mean, three years older than the, than, than the same thing for wide receivers. 
you know, Gronk isn't even there yet. <laughs> and I heard Chris Wessling talking the other day about every time Gronk has had an injury, he's come back stronger. And that's actually true. I mean, does that mean he's going to, that's going to happen again, or he can continue to play at a very high level for a long time, or that he even wants to after a while, if they win another Super Bowl or two, does he hang it up at 31 and say, you know, my back's in, in shambles. I don't want to do this anymore. Olsen, I tend to think that his best days are behind him or about to be. But I also think that he could be Jason Witten for a while, too. I mean, good tight ends that are smart. And part of this goes back to that 29-year-old stat. They they fade away. They don't drop off cliffs. You know, if you know how to – even Heath Miller late in his career. I mean, if you know how to get open and against zone and sit down and your quarterback trusts you, you're going to get targets and you're going to move the chains and you're going to score touchdowns. I get that as far as Olsen, but the difference between he and Witten, well, first of all, Witten's three years older, but Witten is tight end 27 in our ADP. He he just keeps producing tight end one seasons. I think he's been a tight end one, a top 12 tight end uh, every season of his career with the exception of his rookie season. Greg Olsen putting up similar numbers, but you have to spend a, a – um, let's see what is you have to spend a, a top 76 pick on him his, or 77, I guess. So his ADP is 77. Witten's is 208. Well, my point was though, couldn't you see Olsen having a similar career arc? You know, that whenever he is Witten's age, still putting up producing as Witten is now. Um, yeah, I mean, I could see that. It, it you know, it's tough to predict really anything in the NFL, but certainly that question's tough. Individual player performances are, are, I mean, we, we are basically just guessing. We know that the uh, Panthers are going to be changing their offense. We've talked about that on here plenty with the uh, additions of both Christian McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel. Does one of those guys become cam security blanket instead of Greg Olson on those short intermediate routes? Maybe so. That's 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 an easy story to tell too. To me, Greg mm-hmm. Olson as the tight end seven in Dynasty right now is a pretty huge sell. Uh, if I can sell him for one of these rookies or even Zach Ertz or Eric Ebron, I, I would prefer Martellus Bennett to to Olson right now, even up. Yeah, I could see that. You know, I mean, new new land, a new area for Bennett to go to. Bennett, yeah, I don't think that's crazy. Yeah, Bennett's in, a, in the clearly in the better offense. He's two years younger, and his ADP is one fifteen compared to Olson's seventy seven. So if I can make that hmm. trade and uh, get a little icing on top, I'm I'm very happy. And I think people don't realize Bennett was not healthy for the lot of time he was on the field last year. I mean, that was a a shell of himself. I just think about what Aaron Rodgers and that Packers offense what they were able to do with Jerry Cook. And I know he was not healthy for much of the year either, but when he was on the field, Rodgers looked for him. He was the difference maker in that offense. And if Jerry Cook can do that, I, I mean, personally, I think Bennett is way more talented than Cook. Yes. Just a way better football player. In right. General. And when you look at the tight end landscape, though, unlike other positions, really only Witten and Gates are the ones I think that are nearing retirement, though you know, of any consequence. I mean, even like the Delaney Walkers of the world, he could play four or five more years. I mean, Jimmy Graham's still playing at a high level. Would you rather have Graham, Bennett, or Olsen? Is Graham in that conversation too? Yeah, but Bennett is, Bennett's the cheapest of the three, and he's the one I would prefer. Right. Yeah. He, For the box. Yes. Or you mean in, even if they were all the same kind? Yeah, I think even if they were all the same, that's who I would take. Hmm, okay. That's bold. I like it though. Let's stick with those Packers. Our next question comes from Thad, and he says, what do you guys think will happen with the Packers' backfield? How would you rank the backs, and what are their values? So, of course, they they still have Ty Montgomery. They really had nothing left there after last season uh, beyond Montgomery. Uh, They parted ways ways with Christine Michael. Eddie Lacy was gone. James Starks was gone. 
and it was only Montgomery left. So they, they end up, of course, drafting three running backs in the draft. Uh, Jamal Williams was first. I think he was a fourth rounder, I believe. Aaron Jones in the fifth. I think that's correct. And then Devontae Mays in the last round. So uh, most of the talk is on Williams and Jones, how they will compare to each other and how they'll, uh, how they'll fit in there with Montgomery. I think Montgomery is pretty clearly the, the winner there of that backfield. Uh, um, I'm okay. I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm either high or low on, on Williams or Jones as prospects and landing in a offense like the Packers is a good thing for them, but it, it's still Montgomery all day there for me. I'm less confident in that, but I mean, he's obviously the most expensive if Williams or Jones, especially Jones, if they would happen to grab, due to injury or whatever, if they happen to grab that top spot for a week or two and excel and it became their job, that's a monster hit for fantasy reasons. You know, for what you're investing in them, it's a great offense. I could see that. I mean, again, I could paint that picture without getting too crazy. I like both prospects. I might like Jones even better. Um, but Montgomery, there's a load of ability there. I'm just not 100% sold that a year from now he's not a wide receiver still. And you said, you know, he was he got a lot of carries last year, but a lot of it was by default too because nobody else was in there. And if you're watching the games, Aaron Rodgers would be yelling at him and kicking him out of the game, and he's bad in protection. And, of course, now he's dedicated to the craft, and maybe he's got all those things down pat. But I'm still not sure that his best position on the NFL field isn't wide receiver. Yeah, I think I think that's a fair argument. And, and what we know about uh, that Packers coaching staff and that Packers offense in general is they're not afraid to make a change at the running back position. They had Lacey sure. uh, the past two years when he would struggle, when he would miss assignments, whatever the issue might be. He was out of the game and James Starks was in. And then we saw last year, even when it seemed like they had no other options, Montgomery was still getting benched for those Again, those missed assignments, kind of like you alluded to there. Even when their options were, what, Don Jackson, I think, was one of the guys they had for a while. And I can't remember who else. Well, Michael. Michael was there. Uh, They did not have good options, and they were still benching uh, their starter, Montgomery. So, um, yeah, we can be – you can be confident in Montgomery, and and I am somewhat. But if things go south, they're they're going elsewhere. Right, right. I don't think he's set in stone, but certainly he's a leader in the clubhouse. He's noticeably pricier than those other two, though, in startup, though, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the rookies are still pretty cheap, especially in a startup draft. I'm like you. I prefer Jones slightly ahead of Williams if I'm taking one of the rookies. Uh, But, yeah, they're they're both – I think they're probably in that third-round range of a rookie draft and far down the line in a startup ADP. Okay. And it's funny because you and I like Jones more than Williams, but the Packers don't. (laughs) I mean, they might change their mind, but a month ago they didn't. Next question comes from Jake, our buddy on Twitter at NFL draft talker. Uh, He's got a question specifically for you, Matt. How do you feel your past experiences? uh, I'm assuming with the Browns and with Pitt and, and your other stops how do you feel your past experiences have both helped and hurt your dynasty experience? Hmm. Well, I do think it hurts my redraft because I'm always a year ahead on guys, you know, I mean, but that's good for dynasty. That's why I like dynasty more than redraft for many reasons, but I don't know. I mean, I consider myself and there's many out there that do what you and I do for a living, but, you know, I'll take the Pepsi challenge against anyone as a talent evaluator. You know, I mean, I think that's my strength. And and that's from watching a lot of tape and being around a lot of people that know more than me and learning and doing this a long time. I mean, I also put 10 years in at ESPN and I feel like I'm better at my craft now than I was during any of those 10 years. I don't know. I mean, uh, besides the obvious reasons, I mean, I don't have a real job, and this is all I do for a living. <laughs> I mean, I think that gives me a leg up than Joe Blow, dynasty owner. That helps a little. Time, if <laughs> right. I mean, just spending time right. on on football can can obviously be so helpful. I do. Yeah, yeah. 
All right, Jordan's got a trade question. Would you sell Keenan Allen for a 2018 first, second, and third before another potential injury? So, so Allen in general, are you worried about another injury with him? Some of those injuries that he's had, the ACL last year, the I think it was a ruptured spleen, you know, those have been called fluke injuries, not not something that would necessarily be predictive of of future injuries. But at the same time, he hasn't been on the field much the past two seasons. Are you, are you right? And they just and they just drafted Mike Williams, which you can take that any way you want. Is maybe they're just tired of the, all the injuries they've dealt with there, and they want to make Rivers' life easier. That's what I think they're thinking. Or maybe that's a direct result of we don't trust Keenan Allen, and we know his medical better than you do. Although Mike Williams now has an injury too, and I could see his rookie year being not real fruitful. And Allen, to me, is certainly the leader in the clubhouse to lead this team in receptions again. I think I keep him at that price because the second and third to me aren't all that exciting. And if you, you know, it's like, oh, that's what, I, that's what I was going to say. I, I kind of like the idea of offering your entire draft for a player, because if there's a guy like Allen that I'm willing to, to give up my future first rounder for, and I, I would be in his case. And there's, Mm-hmm. You know, there's 25 other guys I would I would give up a future first rounder for probably, but if I'm willing to give up a future first round for first rounder for a player like Allen or Sammy Watkins or Allen Robinson or whoever, then the second and third rounders don't really matter. You know, I mean, I, I like it sounds good, right? I, like I'm getting Ricky Williams draft picks. You exactly. know, exactly. Right? <laughs> I'll give you my entire draft for this one player. Ooh, wow, I get the fourth and fifth too. Great, exactly. So I, I like that strategy. That's that's not something I've ever really done, but maybe I need to start doing that because I saw a lot of trades like that for Tyreek Hill the other day. Uh, I saw multiple trades of a first, second, and a third rounder for Tyreek Hill, and and that's a different conversation as far as his current value. But yeah, going the Ricky Williams, Mike Ditka route of I'll give you my entire draft for this one player. I kind of like that strategy of overwhelming your trade partner with that yeah they open up their their email and like wow you know first second third fourth all from ryan mcdowell like wow that's awesome i mean that's a lot he's really given up a lot i'm gonna do it but really you know if your team was middle of the road and you were gonna that was gonna be one six seven eight and then you add allen and now all of a sudden you're one eight nine ten eleven twelve that's a big difference too you know making this trade makes those picks less valuable so as far as Jordan's specific question, would we sell Allen for first, second, and third? I would not, and it sounds like you would not either. He's also remarkably young for as much experience as he has in the NFL. Next one comes from Eric, another trade question. Is the 1.01 and the 1.02 this year too much or not enough for Le'Veon Bell? So we're probably talking Corey Davis and Leonard Fournette. Maybe Corey, that would be my maybe theory, Corey yeah. Davis and Joe Mixon. Some some combination of Davis, Mixon, and Fournette, I think, is is pretty much the standard that at this point for those top three picks. McCaffrey's been falling to four, and so on. Um, so two of those guys for Le'Veon Bell. What do you think? If I'm a good team, I do that. I mean, Bell's production is insane, and I think this year it's going to be even bigger. I mean, I think that offense is really, really good. Um, they ride him incredibly. His contract's up after the year. But I could make the argument, too, that if I'm rebuilding, I want the two picks. I mean, in a, in a vacuum, I think the two picks are worth a little bit more than Bell because I can envision Fournette really being an every-week starter, being a running back one quickly, you know, as a rookie, and, and Davis, you know, being a 10-year starter for your fantasy team. But Bell's fantasy production is bonkers yeah i agree with almost everything you said there bell is is in that mid to mid to late first round range of a startup both of the rookies if you want to look at the top two currently it's davis and fournette they're both second rounders so if i'm thinking about that in startup draft terms would i trade a mid first for two mid or late seconds i would do that yes uh, i would do that if i'm if mm-hmm. i'm in that early stages of building a team. I think the only way I don't go with the picks here is if I'm just a stone cold 
favorite to be a, to be a title contender. And obviously I would assume mm-hmm. bell would be my running back one at that point. I would, I would probably stick with him at that, at that point, but in general, you'd have to be a, you'd have to be a pretty loaded roster to take bell out of your starting lineup and not miss him too bad. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, let's see. Evan says, how do I deal with my one quarterback league? And everybody else wants way too much in trades for quarterbacks. That's not something we see very much. We talk a lot on here about how quarterbacks have almost no trade value in in a standard one quarterback league. So it, it sounds like I don't know. It sounds like Evan might be just getting hosed here. Uh, I, would, right. <laughs> I would not pay up though. I mean, crappy league. I think there's you know there's a way to find a quarterback get get somebody off the waiver wire, make a trade for a low end guy that you believe in. You know, maybe that's, maybe you think Jared Goff is takes the next step in this new offense, or maybe you believe in Tyrod Taylor. Uh, I I would be more willing to overpay for a guy like that, even if it's giving up a, a late second round pick or something like that, than I would be to overpay for, Drew Brees or Tom Brady or Ben. And, and I mean, I, I have no idea what in context, what way too much in trade is in, in Evans league, but I'm, I'm not paying a ton for, for a quarterback in this format. No. And it just sounds like an odd league or a weird situation he's in. I would think it'll come back to the mean in some of the ways there is a league that I'm in without experts, that there's one owner that has like five or six, decent quarterbacks on his roster. You know, the Phillip Rivers of the world, like startable quarterbacks. So it kind of screws up the whole dynamic for the other 11 teams because he doesn't trade them on the cheap. He has all these guys on his roster. And now all of a sudden, the 11 of us have fewer to go around. You know, I had a situation like that. I think it was actually in the league we share, Hyperactive 4. And I had Aaron Rodgers and... Through rookie drafts, I, I had acquired Cam Newton, you know, as a second rounder or third rounder in his rookie rookie draft, probably a second. Uh, Jameis Winston falls to the third round, and I grab him. So now I've got uh, I've got Rodgers and Cam and Winston, and I can only start one. And I just kind of felt this pressure of like I've got to get I've got to get some value for these guys. So I try for for a long while to trade one of them. I finally make a trade. I feel great about it just because I got value. I don't have these guys sitting on my bench every every week. And the trade was Jameis Winston for Tyler Boyd. This was about a year ago, yeah, probably. Right. This was after following the rookie draft last year. And, I mean, that could have gone the other way, and maybe Boyd became – Boyd was more attractive then than now. Certainly, certainly. Um, and you know he's he's not done as a player, but he's clearly lost some value, and that's not a trade I would make right now for sure. So I, I wasn't stacking quarterbacks to to keep away from other teams. In fact, the opposite. I was trying to make a deal, and I think that that idea kind of you know bit me in the end because I I, I sold low. I made a deal that I probably shouldn't have. Just to dump. Yeah, just to dump him, just to avoid having a Jameis Winston as my quarterback three, basically, which now wouldn't be such a bad thing. Sounds terrible. Right, yeah. All right, let's get one more question in. This is another one uh, perfect for you, Matt. This comes from Bob. What hope do you have for Russell Wilson with that horrific offensive line that Seattle keeps running onto the field? He doesn't have much much faith in the Seattle offensive line what do you think I have more faith I mean Wilson's put up great numbers behind a very bad offensive line for a couple years in a row I think he's a great player I love Baldwin who's vastly underrated in every fantasy circle I still think Graham's a big time competitor ProSize is going to catch passes but just talking about their line briefly I don't think it's I think it has to improve I mean and here's why they they gave we could all laugh about Luke Jokel and he has not been good in this league but they gave him a lot of money to be a starting tackle for them and my hunch is they probably know a little more than I do 
and he was the second overall pick. Maybe getting out of Jacksonville is helpful. I don't know. But they had Justin Britt, who is a good center. He can also play tackle. They used a second-round pick on Posick, who's another center that might be a guard or a right tackle. They used a first-round pick on a Fetty last year. And if you go to drafthistory.com, look at the last three or four draft classes. They've used quite a few picks on offensive linemen, third-rounders, fourth-rounders, second-rounders, you know, Glowiski out of West Virginia, that I think that there's actually talent there now and I don't know how it's going to sort out, but I have to think the line, the arrows at least pointing up with all these young guys they've drafted. So how does that offensive line situation translate to their running game with Lacey and Procise and Thomas Rawls? I don't want any of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. yeah to me, they're also injury prone. I want the Seahawk back after somebody goes down. To me, they're, the way Rawls runs, I think he'll always be injured. You know, Lacey has a chronic foot thing, and he's often overweight. There's a lot of fragility around C.J. Procise. But if one or two of them are out, I mean, if Lacey's out, man, I'm starting Procise like crazy until he breaks down. Do you think it's more likely that one of those three is the 2018 Seattle starter or somebody else that's not on the roster? The only one I can really envision that is Procise because I think he looked great when he was out there. And you remember, he's a wide receiver turned running back at Notre Dame, still a work in progress with the finer points. But he might be a wide receiver in terms of durability, too. You know, I mean, it might playing running back in the NFL isn't for everybody. So I can't see Lacey or especially Rawls being the 18th starter. If everything goes right, I could paint a picture of pro size. Okay. All right. Good stuff, Matt. Uh, thanks to everyone for the questions. Uh, as always, if we did not get to your question, we'll try to answer those on Twitter. Thanks again for those. We'll be back next week with more Dynasty Blueprint. Blueprint.